And we're back with more on Newstalk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this Thursday edition of the Mark Petroni Show. We have Christine Van Gyne on the line coming to us from British Columbia, correct, Christine? Our case is in British Columbia, but I'm actually okay. in Etobicoke. Okay, so you're doing work in, Etob- in the GTA, but the case involves uh, a British Columbia matter. And Christine, by the way, is litigation director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation. And we always welcome Christine to the show. Welcome once again. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, you've got this uh, vaccine passport matter uh, breaking in British Columbia. You're going to be taking the government to court. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about what's behind that? Yeah, so British Columbia is unique in that they have not created medical exemptions for their vaccine passport policy, or at least they haven't created automatic medical exemptions. So the BC passport policy restricts access to certain public spaces like restaurants, uh, bars, and uh, uh, movie theaters, things like that to only vaccinated people or people who can show proof of two doses of a vaccine. And the government has repeatedly stated that they are not creating any medical exemptions that uh, a person who who can't be vaccinated for medical reason can rely on to still, you know, be a participant in society. And in our view, that's unconstitutional. So we're working with three really courageous individuals in British Columbia who can't get vaccinated for a medical reason, and we're challenging this part of the British Columbia system. All right. Yeah, I see the release now. Canadian Constitution Foundation announces legal challenge to BC vaccine passports. Just going to read the the first little bit of the release here from the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Uh, The uh, foundation is filing a legal challenge to the BC vaccine passport regime and its discriminatory impact on people who cannot be vaccinated for medical reasons. The BC vaccine passport system is discriminatory on its face because it does not include automatic exemptions for people who cannot be vaccinated for medical reasons. That according to the CCF litigation director, Christine Van Gyne. And I guess uh, one of the words there that stands out for me, Christine, is automatic exemption. So this, in your view, should not even be going to court because it's just so automatic that the government should be you know, taking that into consideration. Yeah, so there is a sort of stream that individuals can use to request um, an exception to the vaccine passport. It's called reconsideration. And what you do is you write a letter with a whole lot of supporting information to request that public health reconsider whether the vaccine passport policy should apply to you. Um, If you've ever pulled your medical files, you know that it can take a while to pull all of that together. You have to make a persuasive argument. You need to get uh, your physician to write you a a letter saying why you can't be vaccinated. I don't think it's unreasonable for medical exemption to require physician support, but I think that that in itself should be sufficient. You shouldn't have to make these these arguments in front of um, public health. There should be a really automatic and simple to navigate process for people who can't be vaccinated for medical reasons uh, in order to get that exemption. Just, you know, because these are people, some of these are people who have experienced physical trauma from a first dose of the vaccine. And for most people, the vaccine is safe and it's effective, but for a small group of people, it can cause an adverse reaction. And they're already dealing with the physical and emotional toll of an adverse reaction. They now need to do all of this 
uh, running around in order to make a persuasive argument to public health about why they should be accommodated. This burden is too high and it, it's not something that's required in other provinces. Provinces like Ontario have an automatic system where the arrangement is between the physician and the patient. The physician writes an exemption letter and that in itself is sufficient. Uh, that is a, a, a more manageable system and constitutionally the term that we use is minimally impairing. And if Ontario can manage with a system like that, British Columbia certainly can as well. Yeah, and in the meantime, I guess you're, you're dealing with what, three individuals and uh, the hardships that these people must be enduring now in the face of all this. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so these are three really brave individuals. I've heard from more, but uh, doing doing legal work, it's always really difficult to get people to to want to put their name forward because they're already dealing with enough. So I'll tell you about the three who, who have signed on to this case. Um, the first is a teenage girl, uh, and she developed heart inflammation after her first dose of the vaccine. And she's been she's still experiencing heart inflammation. It's it's scary. She's a teenager. It's painful. Um, and she's not equipped, obviously, to on her own make persuasive arguments in front of public health about why she should be accommodated and not excluded from society. Um, the second is a woman. This is this case to me is the craziest. Um, it's a woman who developed nerve damage following her first dose of a vaccine. The the her neurologist thinks that it's a condition called brachial neuritis, although there's often some difficulty in diagnosing these things. Um, fortunately, this woman did get pregnant after um, after her, her vaccine. She was trying to get pregnant. She was fortunate enough to get pregnant, something she really wanted. But because she has nerve damage from her first dose, she's worried. She has partial paralysis of her arm. She's worried she won't even be able to hold her new baby when the baby is born. And she's also worried that a second dose of the vaccine could cause further nerve damage in her body, including nerve damage that might hurt her baby or her unborn baby. Um, public health has told her to still get vaccinated. And to me, that is completely an unreasonable expectation for this woman. Her own neurologist said she should not get vaccinated. Uh, and, and that's why we are challenging the way the system is set up. It's crazy to me that the government won't accommodate this person. Uh, the third individual we're working with is a woman who has uh, very complex and overlapping uh, disabilities. Uh, she has very limited mobility and she's had about 15 surgeries in her life, which is a lot of surgeries for a young woman. She uh, does physical therapy regularly. She does um, I think about four hours of swim therapy every day, because that's really the only mobility she has. And she, because of all of her sort of unique and overlapping medical problems, she is very afraid that there's not enough information about how the vaccine would, would, would react in her body. And she, she is not willing to take the risk given how, um, medically vulnerable she is. And because of that, she is, is being excluded from a lot of parts of society. So we're working with all three of these people and we're really grateful for them putting their names forward and working with us on this because we want to change the system and create an easier process for other people in the future to use. Where are the doctors at all this, uh, Christine? Uh, are these medical professionals backing up their patients? Are they coming out publicly and saying, 
that this is you know this is wrong that what's what's uh, the the legal parameters being uh, laid out here are unfair uh, are they speaking out at all so on on the cases of the first uh, the first girl who has a heart inflammation, her physician and even public health is supportive. They say, don't get vaccinated. You cannot get vaccinated if you have active heart inflammation that was caused by the first dose of the vaccine. Um, the second woman who has the partial paralysis of her arm and uh, who's pregnant, her, her neurologist, her specialist is also supportive. Um, is a woman who has complex disabilities. Her own physician is not supportive, but she's seeking, um, I, I think what she needs is also like some uh, some consultations on, on the emotional and mental health impacts of being excluded when she really is in a, a position where she is just too afraid to take the vaccine because of her complex disabilities. It's having serious mental health impacts on her. So I think part of the problem is that the government has sort of inserted itself between physicians and their patients by trying to create narrow categories that are really the only things that will qualify as a medical exemption. So this, this hasn't only happened in British Columbia, but it's also happened in Ontario, where um, the regulator it seems to be at the direction of the government, uh, it appears to be. The, the regulator has given guidance to physicians saying there are really very few medical exemptions. They are only anaphylaxis or heart inflammation. And if you really limit the discretion of physicians like that, you would exclude people like the woman in our case who developed a neurological reaction and is now pregnant. And you can't make these really limited, narrow, closed categories because physicians need discretion to act in the best interest of their patients. In Ontario, physicians can still give medical exemptions for other reasons. Um, in British Columbia, it seems like it is more challenging in order to obtain the exemption because the physicians um, can write the letter but then they need public health to approve the exemption. We want to get rid of that approval process. All right. Christine Van Gein joining us. She is litigation director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, implications of this one way or another? And obviously, uh, there's a long period of time that you know these things tend to be dragged out. These legal matters can often take years to sort themselves out through the court. I mean, do you have any sense of that? And can you also talk a little bit about the uh, the implications nationally, such as they are uh, to a case like this, Christine? Yeah, so we hope that it would not take years. The, the This process that we're using right now is an administrative process, which means we uh, go to public health and they make a decision. We won't necessarily have to go to court if public health agrees that they're going to create categorical exemptions and they're going to make the system easier to navigate for patients and their physicians and that they will instead um, allow patients, physicians to exercise discretion in granting medical exemptions. So the best outcome for me would be the government voluntarily changing their policy as a result of this administrative process that we're using. If 
the government does not do that, then we would go to uh, the next step would be a judicial review, uh, which is a court process of the decision by public health not to grant the exemptions for these individuals. That can take longer. Uh, and as you know, as you, I don't know if your listeners know this, but the the BC vaccine passport is set to expire in in January, end of January, twenty twenty two. I really hope that they do expire, but as you know, a lot of these things that have been imposed during the pandemic are still with us. So um, I hope it doesn't take years, both because I hope that the vaccine passport policy does expire, uh, and I hope that we're able to achieve the result that we want through the process that we're we're using. Yeah, well, there's a lot of our listeners, I can tell you, that are supporting you. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the organization that you work for and uh, how people can help? Uh, you get get through this process because you're not just fighting for these three individuals, Christine, you're fighting for all Canadians in many respects. Please talk about that. Yeah. So we're, we're fighting right, right now the impact would be on people in British Columbia, but any court decision from British Columbia can be persuasive in other provinces. And thanks for asking about the organization. Um, the Canadian constitution foundation is a legal charity and we're representing these individuals at no cost to them. We are able to pay our lawyer who is working on this very diligently, and it's a lot of work. Um, he's giving us a great rate, but it's still going to cost us about $30,000 to do this case. So if you want to help support the litigation, you can visit the ccf.ca and make a donation to this campaign, which I think is going to have a material impact on the lives of the people in British Columbia who, who need accommodation and, and, and don't deserve to be treated so cruelly by their government. I mean, you've reached out in the past to people who feel that they have been wronged by the system throughout this pandemic. Uh, uh, do you still do that? I mean, are you still involved in that process, outreach with the general public? Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, you can visit the ccf.ca and we do have a petition. I'm broadly opposed to vaccine passports as a general policy. I think that they're probably unjustified. I think that they do engage our rights and I think that it it engages our rights and limits our rights in a way that's not justified. Um, the case that we that we just spoke about is only on the issue of medical exemptions, though. Um, however, I'm on record opposing the entire policy, and we do have a petition on our website, the CCF.ca, where you can tell your story about how vaccine passports are impacting you. If you want to share your story, I've heard from hundreds of people about their experience with vaccine passports and. Um, and the stories are really compelling. Everyone has different lives. Everyone has different circumstances. And I hate when the government paints everyone with the same brush. Um, I'm very supportive of vaccination. I'm vaccinated. I encourage people to get vaccinated. But not everyone is able to uh, for a variety of reasons. And we should treat those people with dignity and respect as well. But uh, thank you for, for coming on the show, Christine, because as I said, I think uh, Canadians do need to support your work. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to these individuals who are involved in the middle of this. You describe them as very brave, and uh, that's exactly what they are. For people to stand out like that, I mean, you have to reach a point of almost near desperation to, um, you know, take the steps that they have taken and then now part of a long but potentially arduous and draining legal process in order to get through this. So I applaud uh, these individuals. We don't know who they are. Certainly, obviously you do, but uh, certainly I think those people showed a lot of courage here. Thanks so much. I'll, I'll, I'll send them your message and, and tell them you said that. 
Christine Van Gein is litigation director at the Canadian Constitution Foundation.